podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing it and miss, thankfully it's over! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Red Sox are wrapping up a three-game set, uh, excuse me, four-game set against the New York Yankees uh, in the process of losing three out of the four. The big topic tonight, Dave Dombrowski fired by the Boston Red Sox, kind of stunningly if you're looking at the timing of it. Some of us expected it in October, but it happened Last night, we will be discussing that in most of the show. I am Terry Coachman, and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Matt Clark. Bet you didn't think we'd be covering this when we wrapped up the last show. I don't think the Red Sox planned on firing Dombrowski after the last show. Probably not. Uh, we. It's hard to tell. You know, it, it would help if they would, um, you know, do the conventional thing and have a media session, but that didn't happen either. No, I mean, my biggest takeaway from all this um, was how cowardly they handled it. Um, starting one with, doing the Friday news dump, but not doing it Friday at 5.15, doing it Sunday in the middle of the Patriots dropping the banner and kicking the shit out of uh, the Steelers. It's just typical bullshit. Um, I, I don't understand what the business side does over there. I mean, obviously they have a profitable product, but <clears throat> they handle these things so poorly. Um, and then they, they trot out today in his usual press conference and feed Cora to the Wolves, who Dombrowski was his boss. And they, lead, they bring out, like, the, the assistant manager, <laughs> basically, you know, the next guy down the totem pole to talk about how the guy above him got fired. And then an hour after the press conference, I think Jason Mastrodonato tweeted that the Red Sox have told Alex Cora they're not committed to him until the GM gets hired and just makes his decision. So you put a guy that's out there that may not be the manager in a month to talk about why his boss got fired. It's infuriating. It's embarrassing. Well, um, it I, makes no sense. It's cowardly. 
I did not see that tidbit about Cora's uh, job security, and I did plan. And actually, to... I think it was Christopher Smith, not Master Donato. I'll okay. bring up the tweet. Yeah, no, that's fine. I w- I wanted to discuss that um, as kind of a topic in and of itself, and I guess we'll get to that. But Matt, before we get into the meat and potatoes, what were your initial thoughts besides that creepy four thirty a.m. text? Yeah, yeah. Other than that, um, I, you know, I was I was a little surprised it went down, but reading uh, kind of what what went on, apparently. Uh, uh, Dombrowski was pushing management or ownership for an extension and, and he approached him a number of times and just approached him recently and that's what made him pull the plug on him I, according to some of the reports is he just kept bringing it to him and it wasn't going smoothly uh, I, I think they they kind of got tired of dealing with that situation and just decided you know what hey we're not going to resign him let's just do away with him now so um, you know that's uh that's the uh, the big thing as far as um, you know as far as Cora I hadn't heard that but I I actually you know did read that um, just now on on CBS MLB uh, they were they were mentioning that Cora's job could be in in jeopardy as well with a new uh, new GM coming in so it's interesting the timing's interesting um, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be looking to fill candidates to, to end this year and just make that smooth transition right at, as soon as everybody hits free agencies so that they can uh, they can just move forward or what their deal is. But it, it definitely was interesting timing. So here's the tweet, Terrence. Alex Cora's job security. Boston Red Sox ownership has yet to assure manager he'll remain when new GM is hired. That's at Smitty on MLB. And he also has a full length article on MassLive.com that was tweeted an hour ago. So, I mean, you take a situation that it, 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 every, anybody with a brain looks at it and rolls their eyes and then you send him out for the press conference today. And then you find out in the middle of the game that he may not be here either, which by the way is utterly ridiculous. He didn't build the bullpen. Well, we'll get he into. Didn't, he didn't extend. He didn't extend sale. He didn't overpay for Avaldi. He didn't overpay for Price. Well, we'll, we'll mean, get into and, that. Uh, you know, the third and run production. He's a position player now managing a team. I, I don't see what, except for the way he handled the start of the season with still talking about the championship. It just doesn't make any sense. We'll get into that uh, in a little bit, uh, very specifically. Um, I want to just mention a couple of things. The press, the lack of a press conference is weird. And this ownership group has had its struggles when it comes to accountability with certain things. And I've mentioned a lot of these so many times this year, you know, as we've given our frustration with what should have been done in the offseason and, uh, you know, and at the trade deadline and whatnot. But, you know, you got the Francona situation. That was handled very poorly. They threw him under the bus, called him a drug addict, didn't really go out of their way to apologize to him. The John Lester thing, everybody knows they botched it with the low ball offer. Uh, probably could have come in late with a you know much bigger offer over the Cubs. Chose not to was pretty bitter about that for several years. Only this year did you 
hear John Henry start to express some regret in the handling of that. But that's five years after the fact. And then, of course, the Pablo Sandoval uh, fallout, you know, that wasn't working well. John Henry tried to defend Sandoval by saying he he was in much better shape. He was 17% body fat when clearly he was much heavier than that. I can't remember if that was the shoulder surgery season or the season they ultimately cut him loose halfway through. But this is an ownership group that does not take accountability. And I think we're seeing that today with the lack of a press conference. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting that they didn't do that, and it, it definitely was, I think, intended to be buried, um, you know, behind all the Patriots game and, and the opening day of NFL. I, I think they were hoping that that would be uh, mainly what the sports uh, the sports world talked about was the NFL. Uh, they're probably right. I don't think too many people are talking about the Red Sox right now. Um, it, it's just their their season seems to be spiraling out of control, especially after this series with the Yankees. So. I mean, it, it was it was definitely intentional, um, and and it's it is sad that they couldn't even go out there and answer any questions about the firing, what what led to it, or anything. They just kind of left everybody hung out to dry, and and uh, you know, it's 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 bush league. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Um, Peter Gammons and Dan Shaughnessy, I, I saw two interviews with them today where they speculated that. Dombrowski forced the issue last night. They, he may have, and again, this is their own speculation. None of this has been confirmed, but they, they believe it, it happened very abruptly. Dombrowski tried to have a conversation with ownership last night, wanted answers as to what his status was, possibly didn't get the right answer, and I think that might have had more to do with why it came out so abruptly. It could very well be the Patriots theory, you know, do it while no one's looking. You know, they're celebrating their first win of the season against a marquee opponent. But it's one or the other. And I I just, that was not what I expected to find out when I woke up today. And I'll tell you what, I am not a morning person. I get up at 4.30, six days a week. It's an epic struggle. I need a lot of caffeine. I needed no caffeine this morning, 30 seconds after I woke up and saw that news. Just for the record, I am not a morning person <laughs> and could have done without a 4.30 text. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to point that out. I'm, I'm going to point that out right now. Terry, Terry, keep the 4.30 text messages pointed at fucking wildcard. Oh, not supposed to swear. Whoopsies. I'm, I'm going to send uh, an automated one right now. What? I'm going to set an automated one right now. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyways, dollar in the swear jar, my bad on that. Um, If Dombrowski is asking for a new contract while you're getting your ass whooped by your rival as you're 17 and a half games down, you're an idiot and you deserve to be fired. The Red Sox are equally an idiot for entertaining the conversation and not just saying we're going to talk about it in a month, you dumbass. And they're equally as stupid. And they, either way, whether it's the Steelers theory, Patriots-Steelers game theory, or in the fifth inning, they put them in a spot, and they were like, well, F it. (laughs) Credit to me, by the way, for censoring there. 
uh, <laughs> F it. We're firing you right now. You're, I mean, you're the Boston Red Sox. You're running a billion-dollar operation there. I mean, is Forbes has you at, what, two and a half mil? Our bill? Who's running things? I mean, Wildcard could be making the decisions with these types of – I mean, no offense, Clark Barr, but, you know, you're kind of a loose cannon – and this seems like a loose cannon type of decision. So maybe you're kind of the resident expert on what the hell happened here because it seemed like either way, they either orchestrated a news dump in the middle of the biggest night for, for the most popular team in New England, or they fired the guy on his uh, uh, stupidity and even asking for an extension. Either way, it just makes him look dumb. Bad business people, bad managers of people, bad whatever you want to say. It's like, who the hell's running things over there? I, I will work. say, if they want me to run it, I am available. Uh, I'm taking offers. Available? Um, Is that a word? Uh, no, I said available. Available? Yeah, I'm available to go be the GM of the, the Boston Red Sox. I mean, I'm open. I'm taking offers. Kush, is that available, he's trying to say? Jeremy's uh-huh. having a My Cousin Vinny moment right now <laughs> in front of court. The two oh, like Utes. Utes? <laughs> yeah. That's a, one of my favorite uh, movies ever. What? Clark Park. I mean, we're using English typically on this uh, this podcast. But anyway. I'll try to pronunciate a little bit better. All right. So, guys. So, here's – here's. It, it's weird, though. Okay. Dave Dombrowski's first season, 2016, Red Sox go 93 and 69, win the division. 2017, same exact record again, 93, 69, win the division. 2008, we, uh, 2008, that was a Francona year. 2018, 108 wins, 54 losses, first place, win the World Series. Those are his three full seasons, and he hasn't officially finished third yet. So, I mean, you know, so is there a past precedence? And, Jeremy, I'm setting this up for you. In any sport, in in any sport, is there a precedence where an executive, a coach, or whatever went on a run like that and then lost his job? I think there is barring a scandal examples are not immediately coming to me which puts me in a tough spot because i think i haven't you know i think there's i'm gonna i'm gonna get back to that i'm gonna make my point i'm gonna double back because i'm gonna start thinking about it but here's my point the red sox were in a position where they had a ton of built-up assets both in terms of dollar bills and players young players they had a core coming up that needed to be complemented and the roster needed to be filled out. Four years ago, the right guy for the job was Dombrowski. And he did his job. He traded, what, three aspects for uh, um, prospects for Kimbrell and four for sale. And he, you know, he filled out a roster. He made right decisions. He, he did Ian Kinsler last year to help once P- Pedroia wasn't going to come back. He did Moreland, great decision. Then he went and got Pierce in August last year, uh, and he came in and smashed left-handed pitchers and won an MVP. He was great for what they needed four years ago. He's not great for what they need the next four years. He's just not. He doesn't take programs that 
you buy the talent, the talent starts to age out of the contract, and now you have to go back young. He can't do that. That's not him. And he and this team needs a bullpen desperately. They need to make good financial decisions with the bullpen, build in free agency, find some young players. That's not him either. They need to take an established veteran, trade him, and get as much talent as possible back. That's not him. He's the team that trades for Mookie and then signs him. That's the Dombrowski guy. So Dombrowski should go wherever he wants Mookie, and he'll get Mookie. And then give us back some prospects because that's what he is. So the next guy or guys or whatever, people, multiple people, however they want to handle it, because right now apparently there's four people assuming his job duties, um, those people need to be draft savvy. They need to have a better understanding of the farm system, and they need to do the opposite of what Don Browski would do, which is just sign talent or trade for it. They need to acquire young players. They need to deepen the entire system from top to bottom. And because you're Boston, it's almost impossible because you have to do it while also maintaining some dignity and winning some games. And by the way, you should be able to do that because outside of the Mookie and Bradley being gone, you're still going to have Benintendi, Xander. You're going to be good at catcher. You're going to be good, obviously, at third with with you know, who may become a perennial MVP. So whoever gets the job next, assuming they have that club in their bag, that, you know, what's needed for this team now for the next four years, I, th- I think there's going to be a possibility that they can win and build, but it's going to take, it's going to take a different skill set in that spot. hundred percent. One of the problems though is, uh, you know, you look at the core and it seems like even as they built this team, all their guys, all their prospects. I mean, they let their their young core get up there, and now they can't afford a bunch of these guys. Betts is more than likely going to be traded. Um, you know, JD is is probably going to opt out. They, there's reports coming out that neither one of those guys are going to end up back with them. I doubt very much that Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to get. Uh, they may get rid of him because his, his contract, even with arbitration, is getting pretty high. And, and the guy offensively is just streaky and, and doesn't really cut it, uh, not for $10 million a year or whatever he's going to be paid now. They're real light in the outfield. They Everything they have is at corner infield. I mean, you look at all their top prospects. It's all along the corner infield where they're already solid. So at least at third base, maybe not so much first base. We can make the case for Dahlbeck, but still, you know, they, they've got a little bit to go. But they have no outfield depth. Um you know, they have nothing coming up really at second base. Uh, they're, they're almost, they, I think they have to look at Holt next year because there's there's just no second base talent there, um, you know, behind him. It, it's just, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Chavis. Yes, you do have him, but uh, it seems as though pitching kind of figured him out uh, after a hot start. It's just it's weird to see because it looked like they had all the building blocks and you know that young core was going to last for a while and and yes they got us they got us a World Series I guess we could be sitting kind of how the Yankees are right now and you know have that good core but still no World Series championships so I guess you trade that off but they're not in a good position financially it's going to be tough and and nobody's going to want to take a lot of these you know injury prone pitchers off their hands with the high dollar contracts. Um, I just I don't know what they do going forward. Yes, they have some good building blocks on here, but 
uh, some of those guys are going to have to get paid. There's a good chance that, that Devers, if the new GM may extend him, and it may be something something similar to Acuna's ten years, hundred million dollar deal, or something like that. But uh, I mean, it, it'll be very interesting. They're, they definitely won the World Series, so that's big. I mean, you trade, you know, you trade some of that talent for for that championship, but. Hey, you know, now they're they're going to be in a predicament for a while, and and that's kind of I mean, if you look at Detroit, Dombrowski's last destination. After he built that team up and gave those big contracts and got these guys set, and now they're just uh, they have a void. I mean, it's a vacuum there. They've got no talent. Um, their farm system's completely depleted. They they have a bunch of old guys on expiring contracts. It's just you know. I hope that's not what we have to look forward to, but it, it's definitely not. I'm not feeling terribly optimistic going into the next couple of years, like I was, uh, you know, even a couple of years ago. Um, I think we're in much better shape. I think our foundation is still solid. We got very mixed signals today, as some of which you touched on, Matt. We could lose both Mookie and JD, or one of the two. The one thing that I did kind of get is maybe maybe they're fine with next year being like an assessment year, you know, or, or a development year. We're not looking at a full rebuild because, like I said, the foundation's there, but it looks like they want to get the payroll side of it stable and, and essentially just get organized. Um, getting back to the uh, the. Dombrowski thing again. I, I mentioned the fact that he still has officially finished first place every year. The one other aspect of this that's puzzling to me is, you know, we have we have discussed actually. Before I get to that, you know the you know the deficiencies with the team and and you know how the bullpens you know been a constant worry you know the last few years. And despite the first place finishes, I'm just surprised ownership let him spend that stupid money and they were okay with it, yet they were smart enough to get rid of him, given the official record. Like, it's just insane to me. I mean, there's a lot of reports coming out today that management was not in favor of the Chris Sale deal. Um, I, I saw a tweet... Um, they came. Hold on. They Go they ahead. approved it. They approved it because you know they didn't spend 150 million without approval. And this is classic post-firing happy horseshit from these dumbasses. Like Terry alluded to, Terry Francona, greatest coach in, in Red Sox history, hands down, no question, should be in the Hall of Fame. They start talking about a pill problem. On his way out of town. What are you talking about? Shut up. Just make decisions in aqua class. It, it's 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 embarrassing to be a Red Sox fan in moments like this because they're just they're it's seemingly like they're not good people. Like you fire a guy who won your World Series. Fine. I actually agree with it. I like it. I would have fired him too. I probably would have waited to the day after the season ended. But hell, he's he keeps pushing you. You keep making him have your conversation. You finally fire the guy. Fine. No problem. Go have a press conference and say, look, we had made the decision very recently that we were going to move on from Dombrowski. We were not going to extend him, and we were not going to uh, have him walk into a 
you know, a single contract type of situation, a, a single year contract. So fine, he's gone. And then he pressed us. And he every week for the last month, he kept asking us f- for what was going to happen. And it became an untenable situation. And so we moved on from him. What is wrong with that explanation? Nothing. Fine. But that's not what you should do. That's not what you do. You you know you signed off on the Chris Sale signing. You know you signed off on Pablo Sandoval. You signed off on on Xander. I'm sorry. You're not running a billion-dollar operation. You're not the owner of the Boston Globe and that soccer team he cares more about without making the decisions that say, okay, I agree, go do it. And so, but, but hell, a fire in him, and it's like, oh, we, we don't agree with anything he's doing. What are you talking about? Shut up. Just shut up, you moron. You brought up a good point with the Globe, too. (laughs) Watch watch the Globe. They'll be leaking stuff out in it. That's always their notorious thing after firing, too. They'll start leaking all the... You know these these little pieces out through their mouthpieces at the at the globe, and then pretend like, oh, I know this is a totally separate thing. We're not a part. I mean, they're notorious for it. You're absolutely correct. I mean, they they this is their way. They, it's 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 very petty and and you know. It, that, I'll tell you right now. I will tell you right now. This is my promise to you. If there's some dirty laundry, if there's you know whatever it is, we'll find out about it. I guarantee it. I'll find out about it. There's an inappropriate relationship. If he had said something inappropriate to somebody, if he had told someone to go F off, again, credit to me for censoring myself there. We're going to find out about it. And it could be a tweet from, you know, a Boston Globe staffer, you know, where all tweets are my own. And then it's like, okay, that was clearly something that was fed to you by a Red Sox person. But we're going to find out. About it. I mean, they're going to they're going to do it. They're going to trickle it. They're going to do it through some means that's like, you know, not like a big headline, but it's meant to be out there to the masses. Like it's going to happen. They're scumbags. They're idiots. I, I, I just I love the team and, the, and and a lot of the players and they do a lot right baseball wise. Uh, they do a lot right with the Jimmy Fund and uh, the marathon and and honoring. Uh, you know, the military heroes and all that stuff, all that stuff they do right. It's just amazing how poorly they handled these moments. Well, they, they already came out, and, and you're seeing reports that that basically Dombrowski was on an island by himself and nobody was even speaking with him, and, and he had alienated himself from everybody. I mean, we talked about that, I think, months ago. Some of those reports came out that about the only guy he was talking to in the entire organization was Tony La Russa. Outside of that, nobody had any anything to do with Dombrowski. So the writing's been on the wall for a while, and now they're they're just echoing that that oh he he was just out there by himself, and you know no, nobody was even having any dealings with him. Well, how the hell do you have a GM that you're not even you're not even having conversations with as a as an ownership group? I mean, maybe that that disconnect is part of the issue for what's going on this season. I mean. If if I'm Dombrowski, I'm not upset by this. I'm not. I go find the next team that 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 you know the Atlanta Braves, the Padres, the Brewers. I mean, there's probably another three to five teams that I could name if you give me a minute that are close, that have an established base of 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 players, and there needs to be. The assets need to be flipped for a starter. The assets need to be flipped for that star outfielder. What you know, whatever may be the case. All I'm going to say is that I hope he signs quickly before Mookie gets traded, 
because Dombrowski may just give us five or six prospects for Mookie Bats and then re-sign them. I, Dombrowski, that's not a joke. That's not tongue-in-cheek. I mean that 100%. Dombrowski spoke this morning and I wasn't clear if it was released via a statement or if he if he actually had a verbal conversation with the media. Actually, it might have been the latter. Sean McAdam was uh, one of them, but he he was basically just all business with how it all went down. He said he didn't want to discuss it too much, but he appreciated the organization for uh, you know, the opportunity, and he says that Boston's a great baseball city. So, you know, he's kind of walking the line, you know, keeping it clean. But I think his days as the top executive in a front office are over. I don't think he's going to be the guy. I think a part of the problem here was he was a dinosaur, and he was willing to sell off everything to just kind of go for it. And and the big thing with teams these days is sustainability. You know, that's big for the Astros. They didn't they could have they could have signed Dallas Keuchel. They had all the means to do it. They could have signed any one of the big free agents, Machado, Harper, but they didn't do it. You know, they they wanted to kind of continue to work on their young guys, make some mid-level signings and and they they spent on pitching because you know they gave Verlander that extension, but it's all about sustainability now. And Jeremy, you touched on it, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, and and I echoed the same thing this morning in my live stream. 2015 was the right time for Dombrowski. The timing was right for him to come in. 2019, the timing was right for him to leave. And I could talk all day about how I didn't think last year's team was perfect by any means, and. I didn't think we were going to win the World Series. I mean, we're we're coming off of two basically sweeps. We won one game against the Astros in the 2017 playoffs, but we stumbled all through September, had no bullpen. There was just nothing nothing screamed World Series to me when we were getting into October, and I give most of the credit to that to Alex Cora for engineering uh, the game plan with the bullpen. And, you know, you, uh, I've seen people praise Dombrowski all day long for the Evoldi trade and, and the Pierce trade. Nobody thought at the time of those trades that they would make such huge impacts on, you know, the World Series and 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 so forth. But, but it, it was definitely Dombrowski's time, and I don't think... I don't think he's going to be the top executive. Will he get a job? Probably, you know, as a consultant or or whatever. Maybe he'll be like a, a Tony La Russa type guy, you know, as he served in his capacity uh, the last couple of years with the Red Sox. Maybe he'll sign a deal with the MLB Network and, and go on there like Dan O'Dowd does, who was the Rockies general manager for 15 years. He will have a job. I have no doubt about that. But it's a stretch to me that it's going to it's gonna be, uh, you know, as, as a GM or, or president of baseball ops. So that said, who, uh, who are some of the viable replacements or who would you guys like to see out there? I know... Uh... R.J. Anderson for CBS MLB listed, uh, I think, seven options. One was the current committee approach that they have. Uh, he had Matt Arnold as the Brewer senior VP, uh, Chaim Bloom of the Rays, uh, who's their senior VP. 
uh, Josh Burns of the Dodgers, uh, who's their senior VP. Jason McLeod, the Cubs' senior VP of player development and scouting. Uh, he said maybe one of the D-backs' uh, senior VPs, uh, either Jared Porter or Emil uh, Sade. And then the last one was Brandon Taubman, uh, the Astros' assistant GM. So, you know, I don't... Uh, me personally, and I think Tobman, uh, I mean, he's the analytics guy. He's he's kind of one of the brain trusts behind it. Uh, I, I think I, it's fair to say that Terry's probably going to be leaning that way. I know he's, he's <laughs> yeah, well, like doing. I don't think I even have to ask that one. But, uh, you know, what, what are your guys' thoughts on, on the next guy? Who should it be? Jeremy, go ahead. I'm not going to pretend like I know the names you just spit out. I know the systems. Um, the idea of, so I think the interview process is really important because, um, you need to have that person interact with the the business side of things, interact with Corey, interact with the statisticians. So I think that's an important factor, but the guy has to know minor league baseball know how to run a scouting department because you can't know every player. You have to trust your scouting department. And he has to have an ability to be what I described earlier, which is the opposite of Dombrowski. Um, do not go throw, do not hire the person that said that goes in the interview and says, well, I'm just going to throw a bag of money at Mookie Betts. That's not the answer. The answer is how do we take pieces we really don't need and get something back for him so this thing starts going back to the way it was four years ago. You know, um, I like the idea. I like the way, I mean, look, I like the way the Rays do things. I really do. Don't tell Liz I said that because, you know, just she's actually really a Red Sox fan. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, put a guy with that raised mindset with the way they run things and the way they've built that program, which and to me has been really impressive. Um, and then also give them, hey, here's also $200 million. So go do a bunch of stuff you did for the Devil Rays, but then also here's $2 million or $200 million. I like the idea of the Astro, uh, someone from the Astros who's worked with Alex Cora before because I do think Alex Cora should be involved in some level. And if there's a working relationship there out of that organization, I like that a lot too. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, unless there's someone in a different system that blows me away I, in an interview process, I don't know. You know, I don't know that I could contribute much more to that. I, I, I'm open-minded, you know, and Jeremy, you touched on a lot of things that, that I would have. The, the Astros is a great organization, so I'd be excited to bring on an executive from there. Tampa Bay has done a phenomenal job. The Dodgers have done a phenomenal job. And their top executive, uh, Andrew Friedman, came from the uh the Tampa Bay Rays and you've seen a lot of nice balanced moves on the part of the Dodgers. So uh, that's another organization I would definitely look at. Um, not really a ton of others uh, stand out to me right now. Maybe the Padres, but they, they've built up a good farm system, but they haven't really proven that they can, convert it into a major league juggernaut yet so i think they will and it, it, it'll probably happen within the next couple of years but 
Um, but yeah, the, I mean, those those are definitely the teams I would hone in on. You mentioned the one guy I was sort of familiar with uh, on that list that you gave Matt was uh, Emil Sade, or how, however you pronounce it. Uh, he actually came from the Red Sox and went with Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello to the Diamondbacks. And the interesting thing about that was... Dombrowski tried to make him the general manager, which is kind of meaningless because as president of baseball ops, Dombrowski was still the top executive, but they were going to give him the general manager title. This is Sade again. And, you know, he probably would have had a nice, you know, pay increase for, for taking that job. But it was interesting that he went with he went with Hazen and we're talking about how unlikable that Dave Dombrowski was in that front office, you know? So maybe, maybe that was part of it. Maybe he just Dombrowski wasn't a likable guy. And you know, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty huge ego. He, he might, and he might be very arrogant and that some of that's starting to come out as well. Um, so, um, by the way, if you're telling me that Dombrowski wanted this Sade guy, no, I mean, no, you mean you want, see, Dombrowski isn't going to put anybody but a puppet underneath him. No, that's all it was going to that, be. That's gonna list, yeah. That's going to listen to what he says and follow the, his mantra, which is take the prospects, throw them into the minor in the major league system, get the players, sign the players, can't build a bullpen. I mean, if that's the, if they had a, he found a guy that was like going to be in on that system, then that guy to me is not the right guy. No, and you know, not necessarily right. He was going to be probably the delegator. Mike Mike Hazen vacated that spot actually, and they were going to try to put Sade into it, but Sade was like, "I'm just going to go with Hazen." And and look at them. I don't. I haven't checked any scores tonight, but they're a game and a half out of the second wild card right now. The Arizona Diamondbacks. So. Um, that's a very intriguing organization. Um, so Sade actually Porter Porter came over with Sade and and Hazen. Uh, so both of those guys from there came over. Okay. And Porter Porter was more the uh, looks like he was more on the scout, uh, scouting side and and kind of actually worked with the Cubs for a while um, under Theo Epstein. Actually, there's a bunch of these guys on that list. Uh, the other guy, uh, McLeod, worked with um, Theo Epstein as well from the Cubs, obviously. And then uh, Josh Burns was with the Red Sox at one point as well. There was some Theo Epstein talk today as well. I guess I, I haven't seen any reports of this. Apparently, they're out there. Epstein would eventually, that's the key word, eventually like to come back to Boston. So... I don't think that's the direction that the Red Sox will go, but how would Chicago feel if, because that, that's a messed up organization right now. A lot Hold of on. bad missteps, one after another, okay. have been made. Well, that seems like a good time for me. I don't, I don't, I don't what, have to what, wait. What, 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 Epstein would come back? Uh, maybe, yeah. Wild card, wild card. Blank check. Here you go, Theo. Let's go. Are you driving or are you, are you flying? Because either way, you and I are going to Chicago to get that motherfucker back. Ah, I did it again. Back to Boston. You know what I mean. It's not worth it. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, if you're going to use him, you got to use him in the right spot. Are you kidding me? I would do whatever. And Epstein doesn't cost any money against the, the cap. 
He does. Give that guy twenty million dollars. Who gives a shit? Oh, there I go again. But who cares? I'd rather go get him. I'd go bring that guy back. Go bring the gorilla suit to Chicago and get that that guy back. I'd go. He wants to be here. Bring him back. What? He's the he's the perfect GM. He is the guy. He's like a ninja. He builds the system. And I mean, when he left, we were the healthiest organization in all of baseball. We maybe had some problems with personalities at the big league level. Fine, that always happens, especially with talented teams. But we drafted, we developed, we we spent money. It, he was perfect, and he has been great with the Cubs. They've underachieved, maybe because Madden's a, a little bit like wild card, kind of a lunatic. Um, so, but he is he is the most balanced general manager in sports. Well, believe it or not, he's a little bit outdated given the very recent trends. He's not an Andrew Friedman. He's not a Jeffrey Liu now. I'm not saying I would absolutely hate Theo Epstein, but that Cubs organization is messed up. The Darvish signing shouldn't have happened, had a ton of red flags. I don't know why he gave Hayward that huge deal. He waited until June to get Kimbrell when there was like... He had the deepest market of of relievers this past winter that he could have signed cheaper, and he waited for Kimbrel, who has issues with big markets and didn't look good last year, and is on the DL right now with elbow inflammation. He got a I forget that maybe Matt might know this guy. He got a guy out of Colorado who was like a number three or a number four that hasn't worked out. <laughs> It's just, I, I, I would just honestly like like a fresh voice and and you know that's my ultimate preference. But if it's Epstein, like I said, I'm not. If gonna... you do, if you do go get Theo, you have to understand that he wants full control, so you got to give it to him. And with um, Lucino not in the day to day operations anymore. Like he was back in the day, I think that you could give it to him. They gave it to Dombrowski. At least that's what they're telling us now. I think he would so, have full control. Uh-huh. I think he would have full control, and, and he does with I the think, Cubs. And, and of course, and you just you know put good people around him that try to protect. There's going to be bad signings. Every every franchise has bad signings. You whiff. You whiff on draft picks in football, and you sign guys in hockey that have, you know, whatever, just can't stay healthy, and, and basketball people that underachieve. I mean, it happens in every sport. I don't have a problem with a bad contract of a talented guy who just, you know, gets his money in flakes. But if you can give him total control... And avoid the gorilla situation where he's trying to, you know, sneak out of the stadium because he's doing a power trip. And I think they'll know that if they go get him. I like it. I like it a lot. And I think the other thing about it is the level of respect he has around the game should filter through the organization. And I think that that some of the problems we're having with the way the messages are being sent to the fans. Um, I think a lot of that will also be resolved because I think he's he's good at that for a baseball guy. So, let me throw one other name out there that that's been floated as you know a long shot, but Billy Bean is another guy that the Red Sox have long 
uh, wanted. I, I mean, he's he's somebody that uh, probably, he's not. I don't know how long his contract's out, but I mean, that's another guy that. Well, there could is they a, lure him in there. There's a problem, or there, is though. he just set for small markets? He he's a part owner though of the uh, Oakland A's now, so I I think. I think. Uh, oh yeah, and yeah, that's a no go. Yeah. So here's the thing, here's the thing that I don't like. What is it? What eight years ago, they offered him a shitload of money. God, not doing well tonight with the not swearing. My bad. Please don't give me a one star review. Um. And he he agreed and then didn't agree and walked away. Don't go don't go chasing your high school girlfriend. Don't do it. You know, stay away. Please. That, that was actually that was in 2002, right before Epstein ended up being the guy. He was the Red Sox second I, choice. 18 years ago, yeah. Add a one in front of that wild card. <laughs> That's okay. I just, I, I just thought it was an interesting enough story. And I've heard that the biggest reason Francona got the job because he wasn't proven. I mean, he had a losing record in Philly, and I think he did some coaching in between them and the Red Sox, but apparently Kurt Schilling had the biggest hand in getting Francona this job because he told Epstein, he goes, well, you know, who's who's the manager going to be? You know, I'd really love to have, you know, Francona, and that's who got hired. <laughs> so it's just crazy. But anyway, let's uh, let's kind of dive into a second issue here. Um, I I didn't see. I guess those tweets from uh, Chris Smith came out an hour before we came on, so that's why I wasn't quite up to speed. But I did question this morning whether Alex Cora would be retained. Uh, you know, with the new uh, GM coming in. Now, before we get into that. The trend usually supports the manager keeping his job. A few examples of that, Brody Van Wagenen got hired as the GM by the Mets. He kept uh, Mickey Calloway. When Alavila took over for Dave Dombrowski, Brad Osmus was retained for at least one or two years. When Mark Shapiro got hired by the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, John Gibbons was kept for a couple of years. Uh, when Alex Anthopoulos, uh, you know, left Toronto because of Shapiro uh, to become the uh, general manager of the Atlanta Braves, he kept Brian Snicker, who had actually only served as an interim uh, manager the the last half of that, I think, 2016 season. So there, there's there's a very simple reason for that too. With Snicker or the reason. trend. No, the trend is you're dead on right, and it's not just baseball. It's every sport, and there's a reason for it. So the general manager can have a person to blame in a year when it's not right yet. Or get out of jail free And then guard. they fire the guy, and then they go, okay, now my guy's in the spot. you know. And then, it, then the shift comes back to Dombrowski. So, for example, when Dombrowski got hired, he didn't fire John Farrell. He kept John Farrell. <laughs> And then John Farrell got fired. Oh, here's an example of someone who got fired after multiple first place finishes. John Farrell. <laughs> he did. And now we all had our prop we all had our problem with the guy. Your website was called Fire Farrell. I actually the podcast was originally called Fire Farrell Podcast. It is. <laughs> so apparently that worked, by the way. So credit to you, Terry. Uh, and you know, I hate to give you credit. Yeah. Um, and so so what happened? He hires Alex Cora and then he goes, Now this is my guy. And then 
my guy goes out and wins 108 games in a World Series, you look like a goddamn hero. And then, you know, it wasn't Cora, in my opinion. It was it was it was Dombrowski's failures to build a bullpen and and frankly, just keep paying guys money that aren't staying healthy. But the- you know, that's what happens. So so now look, Mickey Callaway. Mickey Callaway. Well, that's a bad example because they started winning. But you know, you you have that buffer. And if, by the way, if the manager starts. You know, taking the talent you give him and he's successful, all right, no problem. But if if you need two years to get your talent and your decision making into the organization so games start getting won and it's not happening, you can you can fire the manager and say, It was him. I'm giving him the talent and then the next guy comes in and that's now that's up to you. Now now you could get fired like Dombrowski did. With Farrell it was kind of a unique situation though. He had cancer he had just been diagnosed with it literally days before Dombrowski was announced as the new you know top executive and it it got weirder because then Farrell serves out the 2016 season gets swept by the Cleveland Indians who were a walking mash unit tons of injuries and we got swept and then of course they go to game seven of the World Series anyway I was really shocked that Dombrowski didn't fire him at that point, and we had to sit through another season of Farrell, which included the you know the first Eckersley incident, the Pedroia Machado incident, and you know they just kind of limped into the postseason that year and uh, only won one game. But I just I always felt, and I, I thought about this a lot today. I'm like, I don't think Dombrowski necessarily wanted Farrell all that time, and I, I think it was ownership. And ultimately, I think it was the Dombrowski, uh, the, the excuse me, the uh, Eckersley incident, where Farrell, like much of the team, refused to apologize. Dombrowski apologized to Eckersley. Ownership did, but Farrell didn't. And I think I think he was forced you know, on Dombrowski by ownership. And I, that's just my own speculation, but... I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm just saying the general... And because the point's correct. Uh, GMs don't fire the, the, the coach. I just think that there's a reason for that. There's the, that one or two-year buffer where you can still blame the old guy. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That's just a lengthening of the leash because if you come in and, and you get all your guys right in there and you suck right out of the gate, then then you shorten your time before you get canned where, to Jeremy's point, you can have a fall guy. You can have somebody that you say, well, hey, we tried to give this guy another shot and uh, just didn't work out. Now let me replace it with my guy. And, and it buys you a couple extra years at most. So I don't see Cora going anywhere. I think he'll be here for at least another couple of years. Uh, regardless of who they bring in. Uh, if they bring in somebody uh, like the executive from the Astros, maybe it's even longer. But I don't, I don't think Cora's... They're not going to fire Cora. It's not Cora's fault. They will either. He didn't handle it, it, it wasn't great, but it's not his fault. Well, here's a question. I mean, he's had a lot of adversity. Here's a question. I And as a disclaimer, because I don't want you to jump to conclusions on where I really stand, but... Uh, I, I I'm we're going to I'm officially a Cora guy I guess and I don't blame much of this yeah I mean I think he could have done a better job I question how much accountability he um 
you know, he holds his veterans to because uh, that's largely open to debate. But I think we can still win a World Series with Alex Cora. So there's going to be no complaints from me if he's retained. However, however, I do believe that it should be the decision of the the new general manager. He should have the freedom to have his own guy if he wants that guy. And going forward, once whoever the Red Sox hire, I want ownership to stay out of everything. I I want I I don't want I'm not I mean you can't compare John Henry to like Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys or Art Moreno of the Los Angeles Angels. They're not that intense with the hands-on stuff, but I want this to be that executive's team with his own analytics committee, with his own consultants, with, you know, all those people. I want it to be his front office, and I think it's ultimately his decision what happens. And if Cora gets fired, so be it. <laughs> I wasn't even watching. Raiders up big here at we're going into halftime, and I got a plus two because I got I lost the Saints bet. But anyways, I I, <laughs> I agree. But this is such a great time of year with all the sports being played. But anyways, look, I, I agree. I mean, look, um, Terry, and I hesitate because every time I agree with you, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong here um, because your takes are typically terrible. Um, but you're absolutely 100 percent. Correct that if you can't hire, we've already tried the puppet thing with Charrington. It didn't fucking work. Freaking work. It didn't freaking work. Okay. Now, you if you're gonna hire someone, it has to be a baseball guy that you trust to give the power to to run the thing. And if he does say it's not Alex Cora, then it can't be Alex Cora. It just can't um, because we can't go back to this. You know. Werner and Lucchino and Henry putting their non-baseball hands in the, the baseball operations. The Red Sox have hired Sam Kennedy to run business, and they just fired Dombrowski, who was running baseball. Find the guy to run baseball and let him run baseball, because Lucchino didn't know how to run baseball. He sucked at it. Uh, he never wanted to give it up, so eventually they sent him down to Providence. Uh, Werner's a moron, and Henry's a moron, and he cares more about soccer. So you got to hire a baseball guy to run baseball. It just has to be that way. And if you do that, then he has to have 100% control. I just truly believe that Cora's a very good manager. I think before the year, I was I said he was a top five manager. I'm going to just you know back off that a little bit and go that he's a top 10 manager. <laughs> that I think any GM that comes in here is going to see his ability to communicate with his players and get the most out of them. He got the most out of the offense. He got the most out of the nine. He did. He just didn't get it out of the pitching staff. So I just, he should be here. I just really, truly believe that. You can't get a guy one year, win a World Series, second year, win 80-something games. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. You can't fire everybody. Here's a scenario, far-fetched right now. What if the other guy's like walks through the door? This. You might, you might not. He, what if the next guy walks through the door and the first words out of his mouth is, "I'm a Girardi guy." Ooh, <laughs> intriguing. I hate Girardi. 
Do you? I thought I was going to hate this take. But I, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate Girardi. I'm open Wild card hates it. I'm all in on Girardi. Uh, I'm oh, open-minded. Now, see, here's the thing. In all seriousness, here's the thing with Girardi, Girardi because I respect Girardi. He's the antithesis of Cora. He's a strict disciplinarian. And Cora is a player, a player's coach um, uh, to the max. And so whoever comes in better be right because Girardi's the type of guy that could flip a clubhouse if it's if it's he, he's not the right guy for the team. What about Joe Madden? He's probably going to be no. out of a job. No. Hard no. Yeah. Hard I, no. Uh, I'd be more for. I'd be more no, for like hard no, like Clark Bar's tattoos. No. <laughs> I, I like I like Girardi a little bit better than Madden. I just feel like uh, I don't know. And one one other point here in the last episode. See, I had no idea that that Dombrowski was about to be fired, but I did kind of want to plant the seed in people's heads when I said when he gets fired because that is what we expected. Will the new general manager? If Cora is retained, and I fully expected him to be one show ago, will he still allow Alex Cora to manage this team as he has and let it be his team once the game gets on the field? Or are we about to get a highly analytical GM, much like you do see in the Dodgers organization, unfortunately? Case in point, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy sitting the first seven innings of each of games one and two of the World Series. I'd hate to get that analytical. But what if we do get a guy like that who won't let the manager call the game on the field? You know, I plan it. I I brought that up on the last episode to just kind of get people into the mode of thinking as to what the future might look like, and just uh, retouch so, on it. I I hope it doesn't happen that way. This goes back. This goes back to the GM has to know what he wants. If you want a puppet, then fire Core and put in the puppet. I I'm a I don't separation. Want that. I I don't want it either. I, well, first of all, I want Alex Cora to be the manager. Now, he may not be the right guy for the job in five years, but he's still the right guy for this program. You, we want, we, We've talked about it a lot tonight. Let the business people you know, do the business stuff and let the baseball people that have played baseball and understand baseball do baseball. You, you have to have... A, a ladder of hierarchy and let each ladder or rung do their job. That's how good businesses are run. Again, Terry loves non-baseball references, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> the Patriots, they empower each guy to do their job. And there's a reason why every single one of those guys eventually goes and be, be the head coach or a coordinator somewhere else. Because those guys are empowered to do their job, they do it well, and then other teams see it and find it and go get it. So you do the general managing or the baseball operations, you do the player personnel, you do the you you manage the scouts, you manage the draft, you manage the player extensions, and then let the guy who played 18 years in the in the major leagues run the game day operations. It just to me you can't have the nerd telling the star player to steal second base. Have the guy who played baseball 
in that per, in in Boston, by the way, in a whole bunch of cities, tell the star to to, to steal second base. It, to me, that's how it has to be. Now, if you if you are stupid enough, Red Sox, to hire someone that wants that kind of control, then you got to fire Cora and put in a puppet. Because I don't think Cora is going to be the guy who's just going to take the phone call from the general manager. Hey, you know, sales got to come out of the game now. Let me throw. Uh, I just saw another interesting name. I'd like to get you guys' opinion on uh, Mark Mark Feinstand, uh on his list of a short list of uh, GM candidates has Tim Naring down. Obviously, a former former Red Sox player, but he's he's a guy right under Cashman. I don't hate that one. Uh, Cashman, uh, he's he's been pretty solid for a lot of years. I think he's one of the better better GMs I've ever seen. Obviously, he's not going anywhere, but if you can get a guy who's got ties to the Red Sox, and you can get you know poach one of Cashman's top guys and and somebody who's probably a little bit like minded. That's that's one I don't hate either on that that short list of candidates. I, I, one of the things that that go ahead, Terry. Oh uh, no, you go, you go. Um, one of the things that Red Sox fans aren't going to like to hear is that the Yankees and the Red Sox are very similar organizations. They're they're built on two hundred million dollar payroll, and the idea that you have to be good in scouting and draft and development to to support the major league program but you have the money to also go go get the guy so we're very similar it's probably one of the reasons why we hate each other so much so if you're telling me that you could take a guy who has had the two million and hundred two hundred million dollar payroll that can come in and with the benefit of being under cashman because i respect cashman a ton um I, i don't hate it uh, the fact that he played here does nothing for me. I actually don't care about that at all. Um, I, I care that he's been in uh, the front office, and I care about how long he's been there and what his role has been and what, what are some of the decisions he's specifically made um, so that I could have a little bit under, better understanding of what we could expect out of him. But if you're telling me that he's in the Cashman school of doing things, I'm in. I see. I'm not. I've. I'm sort of opposite. I've never really been a big Cashman guy. You know, he's. I think the Stanton move was was a big misstep. You know, Stanton won the MVP, and I think he was kind of tantalized by having another guy that's like six seven on the other side of the outfield, and I just didn't think that was a good move. And I think much like Dave Dombrowski doesn't understand bullpens. I think Cashman has the same issue when it comes to starting rotations. I mean, when was the last time that the Yankees had a like a juggernaut rotation? You know, the the Red Sox have Sale and Price, you know, as their one-two punch with some decent guys to follow. You got you've got um, you know with the Astros right now, Verlander, Cole, and Grinky. I. Uh, <laughs> I just feel I I'm just not a big Cashman guy and in 18 years Epstein has two World Series in Boston and then a third in Chicago. Sherrington has a World Series. Dombrowski who somehow ended up with a World Series. They you know Cashman hasn't really outperformed those guys in the last 18 19 years. So I'm just I'm just not a Cashman guy. All right. Cashman, 
has put a product on that field every single year for 25 years. That gives them a chance to year uh, to win, except for one year. And that year, he flipped Aroldis Chapman and Miller, totally rebuilt their farm system, and then re-signed one of the players back and had the shortest rebuild in the history of programs. I mean, the shortest. The guy has put that team in a position to win every year. Now, they have failed in some respects. They have not won big games in the last 15 years, except for the 09 championship. They just haven't won big games. The A-Rod second contract made absolutely no sense. And he is, for whatever reason, recently failing to build a rotation. And it, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to spend top-end money on starting pitching. But keep in mind, this is a guy who built a rotation with Pettit, Cone, Wells in his prime, Clemens. I mean, they've had rotations that have been really good, if not Mucina. I mean, we're talking Hall of Famers, first bout Hall of Famer. He had, it's not like he's never built the bullpen. Like Dombrowski has literally never built the bullpen. Dombrowski would sign wild card for the seventh if he showed up at a, at a, at a, at a fair and hit 97 on the gun. I'd throw about 99, Cat, actually. Cat. We're not talking about <laughs> wiffle ball, Clark Barker. Can, can you be serious? It's been so long. Cashman, Cashman is not the problem in New York, Terry. Admit that. Admit it right now. I'm not going to admit that. He gave Aaron oh, Hicks. Jerry. He gave, Jerry, come on. He gave Aaron you are Hicks. unbelievable. Look at their outfield right now. Stanton is probably going to spend half of the rest of his career on the DL. So is Aaron Hicks, who apparently seven years sounded like a brilliant move. Oh, yeah, they did sign him. But yeah, I was gonna say seven got years him. for Aaron he Hicks. Look, come on. I mean, Belichick signed Chad Ochocinco. He drafted Chad Jackson in the second round. He, he traded for a deal. I mean, and he's the best of all time, and I could go on and on about bad decisions he's made. That People make bad decisions. He signed Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, <laughs> Another that, terrible I mean, that's move. that's a joke. Another the terrible second move. second A-Rod contract was, a, was an abomination. But look, he's out there. He's being given the money. He's spending it. You could easily be the general manager for the goddamn yeah, – let me get. Let me. I don't even know. I mean, whatever here's, team. Here's know. another thing. Minnesota Twins, and you don't have the money, so you just don't make the mistakes. So you just don't draft well. You don't develop well. And you suck for t- twelve years. But he's given Next the money. He's put in a spot to make those decisions. He hits on some of them. Teixeira, he hit on. CC, he got a decade out of. I mean, Clemens was great all those years. Mucina, Pettit, uh, uh. I don't think Rod's first contract. Uh, uh, Here's their their rotation. Wait until next year because I, I'll tell you, you're going to get Severino back healthy more than likely. Herman has proved himself. No Tanaka, no. I believe, is back, and then you've got Cole on top of that to to anchor that staff. They're going to have a hell of a pitching staff potentially next year too. They're not, they're not signing. Not, they're not signing Garrett rotate. Cole. They will not sign uh, Garrett Cole. I will. I will bet money on. Well, no, I don't bet money. I've <laughs> learned my lesson. I've, I've, I've so if he but, does, he will pay it. They're over the luxury <laughs> tax right now, and Sanchez and Judge ha- don't even have their mega deals yet. So they're not signing Garrett Cole. They're gonna. They're gonna stick with Hap for a couple more years. They got Paxton for one more year. 
Terry. They got Severino for a few more years. No, hang on. Cashman's not a top five GM right now. Top five? Yes or no? Yes or no, Terry? Top five GM. I have to go through it right now. He's not better than Lou yes, now. Yes, he is. I'll just answer for you. Yes, he is. He's not better than Lou now. He's not better than Epstein. He's not better than Friedman. Not better. Uh, well, maybe I have to put him fourth. fourth. Fine. Thanks for making my point. I, yeah, I don't think he's better than the. Twenty-five uh, years. Baseball has changed in twenty-five years, and he's still running baseball operations for the Yankees. And what do you now? This is turning into a goddamn Yankees podcast, Terry. This is your fault. If just you said he's a good GM, he does a good job. If you can't see that the Yankees are screwed for the next few years, the, hell of a logjam. Then you're. The I, I've said that. I just admitted it five minutes ago. Okay, and the, so they're gonna. Ha- this is gonna be the first decade since 1910 that they didn't. They didn't appear in a World Series. Uh, I agree. He's not. He's not. He's well, overrated. He is overrated. And Boone's a Boone is a joke. He's not. They hired a TV analyst who was known for his quick wit and goofy jokes to be the manager because they reacted to firing Giardi by going the exact opposite way and hiring like everyone's pal to be the manager. But he's it's the wrong manager. It's just not all. Come on, Terry. You just, you know, you just get your point. And we've been doing this for uh, uh, over a year now, you and I. We've done about 100 of these things. And you just refuse to admit you're wrong. When you're wrong, just admit it. He's a top five GM. I'm I'm just going on the actual record. They haven't, they've won one World Series in the last 18 years. And they have a philosophical malfunction in his head. He can't build a rotation. When was the last? Give me the the last time they had a great one, two, three. Give me that rotation right now. Uh, Clemens Pettit. Oh, 20 years ago. Okay, thank Chief. you. Thank you. 20 years ago. You... Dan, oh, you... I'm sorry. So so wait, I'm sorry. I'm just, not just for perspective, he hasn't had a good rotation since oh, Dan Duquette I, was I, the I, manager I, of the Boston Red Sox. Well, that's too far ago. That, does, that doesn't make my point, Jeremy, you dumbass. Give me something in the last three years. Their pitching staff has sucked for three years. I can't do that. I mean, what? You, you, this is what he does, wild card. He asks a hypothetical. I give him a great answer because that's yeah, usually all I Yeah, 20 years ago. He says, oh, now I'm going to change the narrative and the hypothetical because that doesn't fit my point. Jeremy's a great answer doesn't fit my narrative and point. That's he, fine. He's got nothing in the last 18 years but a World Series in, in 2009, and that's it. And, and you said the Tashira signing was great. Yeah, it was good for like three out of the eight years. He was productive for a large, a large he, he was, of that. That was not a dumpster fire long term contract. He was productive on the DL. Is what he was productive. So, so what I'm getting here is this is a hard yes from both of you on narrowing. A hard yes, right? I'm saying no. If he, oh, he worked for Cashman, Jesus. no, no way. Let me do the Jesus Christ. <laughs> he just refuses to admit he's wrong. I'm next. Time. I'm leaning on the record. All right. You're you're gonna see a lot of fire Cashman tweets when they when they whiff in October. Oh, there's a whiff. They got no pitching. But go ahead. <laughs> of course, anyway. of course. You just proved my point, Jeremy. They haven't had pitching in 20 years. Terry, the first thing I said is they don't have any pitching. 
I've admitted that. I've been saying it all year. Okay, what about Yankee fans? No one, no, no top offense just goes through scoring eleven runs a game like you do in the regular season when everyone's throwing their four and five on Wednesday and Thursday. All of a sudden, you got to hit against the best, and they don't have the pitching to match that. I mean, I've—it's a philosophical thing. I mean, if we—if the Red Sox were in that camp, and we never had, we never had this rotation, or we never had Beckett, Lester, Lackey, we don't—we'd be throwing a shit fit right now. We—we won World Series based on our rotations, and the Yankees have not won World Series based on their rotations. He has built good rotations. What was the last good one? Terry, we're going to do this again. I just gave you a good example. Then you shortened the hypothetical window on me and said it was a bad take. Uh, you get you did you mentioned the one from twenty years ago? All right. Uh, <laughs> oh God, you're the worst. All right, so. Please. I uh, oh, speaking of Yankee fans, we're we're running we're running long here. Um, I just want to point this out, and then we'll spend like thirty seconds on the Toronto series. Um, Yankee fans were celebrating on Twitter today, like gleefully taking credit on Dombrowski getting fired, and I'm like, dumbasses, that that hurts you because we're gonna have somebody smarter in there who's gonna make much better decisions. We're gonna have a much better team. I don't know about next year, but probably. Hopefully next year, but definitely, you know, within the next couple. And, you know, why are they celebrating? Well, they're clowns. They're clowns. Uh, they celebrate things that don't result in trophies or parades like, you know, winning, I don't know, uh, sweeping series in the regular season and winning the AL East. And I don't know. That's a loser mentality. That's what the Yankees are these days. They're a bunch of clowns. Their fans are clowns. I saw they were playing New York, New York. Congratulations. You guys won Ariel East. That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. Um, you know, these guys are just, they're idiots. They're, they're, I don't know. Their fans are just unbearable. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate for them. I feel bad. They have gone through such a drought uh, since they won the, the last World Series that, you know, it's it's probably been very difficult to watch the Red Sox absolutely dominate them now for well over a decade. So that's why they're celebrating it. They've got nothing else to celebrate. What are they going to talk about the World Series that they were in like ten years ago? That's that's they're just idiots. Just comebacks. Just comebacks. Uh, that's. A I mean, I've been saying it. I've been saying it forever. There's comebacks. They're they they. <sighs> When the Red Sox win, they don't go, we as a fan base generally don't go, oh, you know, ha, 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 Yankees. We just, we win. We just move on and we win and it's great and we celebrate the Red Sox. We don't celebrate other teams' failures. Like, just celebrate your 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 success. You guys are clearly the better regular season team, uh, probably in part to Cashman. Um, hopefully, Nairing helped especially if we hire them, just celebrate <laughs> your successes. Don't be such scumbags all the time. Like it just, every time I call you guys scumbags, I wait like 20 seconds and you just validate being a scumbag. It's the easiest take of all time. I'm just, I'm not going to expand on it. I think that was very poetically, um, articulated. Eloquent. <laughs> eloquent. With eloquent. Eloquent is, is a beautiful word. Um, all right. Um, 
we're going to just literally spend two seconds on uh, Toronto here. Matt, do you have the matchups up? I don't. Oh, I do. I oh, do. good. Go uh, ahead. You this guys is- didn't want to talk about Cashman first anymore? We're good? That one's, that one's set? We could talk about how you're, we're on Skype right now and we have to watch <laughs> you in a bad cutoff t-shirt, but hey, let's talk about the Blue Jays. <laughs> All right, first matchup is Evaldi. Uh, That's a loss. 1-0, 577 ERA versus some guy named Zook Suck something who has no record in a 450 ERA. So what do you guys think? I have no idea. Blue I have Jays. no idea. I, I'd like to see Evaldi. I'd like to see Evaldi throw exactly five innings, 80 pitches, and be sharp and look good and build for next year. And I don't care if they win the game. Game two. Why are you surprised? here, Clark Bar. No, I was I was just going to say, I think Evaldi, I, I think they win this one, personally. Uh, Evaldi has pitched a little bit better of late. I mean, the last two games, he's he's... Going four and five innings, he had eight strikeouts, and you know uh, I think he only gave up a couple runs on the one, and I uh, gave up one run last time uh, against the Twins. So I don't know. I think they win that one because I don't even know how to pronounce the other guy's name. Uh, game two and three, it's TBD. They're going bullpens. Uh, one against Thornton. Uh, it was four and nine, five twenty-three RA, and the third game is against Buckholz, our old friend Clay Buckholz, who's one and four with a five thirty-one ERA. Oh, the Red Sox win that one then. See, I figured I'll throw like a perfect gamer or something just because it's Clay Buckholz and he shouldn't do it. Uh, he's about the most maddening pitcher I've ever watched in my entire life. Yeah. Well, he might leave the game in the first inning with an injury too, so let's not rule that out. Oh, that's true. Oh, either way. Yeah. You know, my, I, the, the, the point I make here is we're going to find out if they're quitting. Because this is the type of series, if you've quit, um, because the Blue Jays are pathetic, that you're going to, I mean, you know, they're going to stop hitting or whatever it may be. But, you know, I think they're quit. Uh, their hitting definitely hadn't shown up. Uh, their their hitting hasn't shown up at all in the last couple series. They've, they've been pretty pathetic. I mean, it was absolutely anemic against what, We've uh, dubbed as an absolutely atrocious uh, Yankees pitching staff. Uh, there wasn't really anybody lighting the, the world on fire for the Red Sox. So, I don't know. I do feel like they quit. I think the Dombrowski thing further furthers that a little bit. I think they know that the season's over. Um, hey, on the bright side, it helps their draft status. So, I guess there's that. Toronto takes the series. Um and that does that start tomorrow? Yeah, it must, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, Tuesday through Thursday. Yeah. At Toronto, so no chance for a Red Sox press conference at that point. I do think they said they, they aren't having one ever anyway, so uh all right. Well, I mean, we'll probably find out a little bit more in the uh next couple of days as to what might Shout happened. out to a listener here before we sign off. Okay. At crazy underscore N28. 
Hey, at Jay Schilling MBA, that take on Cashman was fantastic. I'm not going to lie, but you're the only one in the podcast who was sensible always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> endorsed. <laughs> print the t-shirts, Clark Barr. Print them up. <laughs> I think Jeremy uh, just boy, made up sensible. that whole take. Yeah, I, somebody has a burner account. Burner <laughs> yeah. account. I saw him tweeting. Okay. Yeah. It looks weird. My my burner account would be like Hey Baldy one two three or something. I wouldn't I wouldn't have a Yankees fan as my. Uh, Jeremy, as my you're Twitter so sensible aspect. and you're the best looking guy ever, and everybody likes you. And uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. You know what? I'm not gonna lie to you. There's a chance I uh, if I can't get to bed tonight that I do create a burner <laughs> account, but I do not have one as of right now. And you'll know it's me. You'll know it's me because I'm only gonna follow myself. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I have a burner account, but that's uh, top secret. Uh, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Clark Bar, Clark Bar one two threes uh, burner account is Clark Bar one two three four. So everyone knows it's him. Yeah. My no, mine's never, mine's so obvious. I'll, I'll just tell you what mine is. It's uh, I love Brian Cashman sixty nine sixty nine. <laughs> All right. Okay. Swear jar there, but <laughs> hey, hey, that's just a number. That's Grok's favorite number, by the way, as we found out. That is. All right, ladies, uh gentlemen, good night. Have a good Have a good one. Episode 167 in the books uh, was pretty animated there uh, for the Cashman uh, part of it, which I didn't wasn't really planning on having, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, I think we covered about as everything, you know, as well as we could have. It's tough to process all of this so early, especially where we don't necessarily have all the facts. You know, I think some people are still scratching their heads but uh dave dombrowski fired from the boston red sox nonetheless and we will be back thursday night i think we'll have more to say on this plus any other developments that uh take place as well so enjoy the uh rest of your work week this was a rare monday show only happens a few times a year so Have a good Tuesday, and again, we will be back on Thursday. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it, a line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did it, he got it. Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman.